Welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where I'm going to be speaking with someone very fascinating. His name is Dr. Frank Turek. He's a dynamic speaker, an award-winning author, and co-author of four books combating atheism. He is president of crossexamine.org, but what I find most impressive about Dr. Turek are his powerful presentation at college campuses where he defends Christianity against all comers, from atheists to agnostics. He does it with vim and with vigor and with a lot of wit. But what he's written about recently um, is very fascinating. He's written about how the left is now using religion. They're talking about Biden's devout faith. It's a deliberate plan to quickly advance the progressive and socialist agenda in America via religion, specifically Christianity. You're going to want to stay tuned. Dr. Frank Turex, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. John Henry, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, uh, Dr. Frank Turek, you've got a real heart for uh, atheists. You've written several books addressing atheists. We show this awesome clip of yours of addressing a young man who was really questioning you hard and your answers were just stellar. What really drives you to have a heart for conversion, a heart for getting to the truth, especially to people who seem to be so far from the truth? Well, as you know, John Henry, the Lord gave us the Great Commission to baptize nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we are all tasked as Christians to bring that truth to everyone, regardless of where they are uh, in their spiritual walk. Now, when I'm on a college campus or in a debate and somebody gets up for Q&A, I'm not expecting them to agree with me. And why should I expect them to agree with me? Look, I didn't agree with my own thoughts, you know, 30 years ago. I don't, I didn't agree with myself, my current self 30 years ago. So why would I expect somebody who, uh, who is on a college campus to agree with everything I say? They shouldn't. So when someone comes up and even asks a hostile question, I just want to figure out why they believe what they believe and why and then ask them some questions about that and then offer the Christian point of view. So I don't take offense when people don't agree with me. As I say, I didn't even agree with me many years ago. Well, you have a very particular gift for doing just that, reaching hearts and minds in a way that really I haven't seen many people be able to. Um, wanted to talk to you, especially today, about something that you've I've seen you've written about, and it's about this new approach to Christianity that's being pushed, especially by the Democratic left. What can you tell us? Yes. Well, if you notice when Amy Coney Barrett was uh, going up for a court position, this is even before the Supreme Court uh, confirmation hearing, it was a previous hearing, the senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, knowing she was a pro-life Catholic and really believed it, said to Amy Coney Barrett, the dogma lives loud in you. It was a very mm -hmm. negative way of addressing her. 
However, when Joe Biden becomes president, the left treats him as a devout Catholic, even though he does not agree, at least when it comes to policy, with the Catholic Church, with the scriptures, or even with natural law on the issue of life, the issue of abortion. You know, he tried to take a middle of the road view before as a Roman Catholic saying, well, you know, I'm personally opposed, but I, I can't impose that view on others. Now he's dispensed with that and he actually wants the government to pay for abortion. And yet the the, the media is lauding this as, a, as, as Joe Biden being a devout Catholic. Yeah, they'll laud somebody who doesn't agree with the Catholic church and call that person a devout Catholic. But if somebody does like Amy Coney Barrett, they're gonna say, oh, the dogma lives loud in her. And I think John Henry, the, the reason for this is in the midterm elections, they're gonna have to get Christians to vote for them to stay in power. And so what they wanna try and do is get Christians to believe that somebody like Joe Biden and his Democrat party are for Christian policies in the sense they're pro-life and pro-family and all these things when they're really not. Yeah. It, it's an incredible thing. It's actually very much like a new religion or or something mm -hmm. else. Uh, and you had this beautiful term of a woke Christianity. Uh, I think that's great because it, it's, a, it's a false Christianity. Explain to us how false indeed that is. Well, let me ask you this question, John Henry. Let's suppose you and I were at the base of Mount Sinai when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. And he comes down to us and he says, hey, look, here are the 10 commandments from Yahweh. And we look at him and we say, you know, Moses, we don't like those 10. We have our own 10. Should we call ourselves followers of Yahweh? <laughs> no, obviously not. We're not followers yeah. of Yahweh. We're followers of ourselves. Well, fast forward now to the 21st century. We have people claiming to be Christians who are disagreeing with Jesus. Yeah. They're disagreeing with the apostles. They're disagreeing with the Bible. And yet they're calling themselves Christians? Why? That's that's just false well, advertising. Ma right? Many would respond, right? But many might respond to, well, you know, they had certain practices in those days, certain understandings. You know, they were all men around. Jesus couldn't possibly choose a woman to be a minister back then because, you know, it was just impossible culturally. So, you know, also with slavery, he said, slavery, be a good slave. He didn't confront slavery because he was stuck in his own time period and had to conform to those things. Yeah, the problem is, first of all, they don't understand slavery when they say that. When, they, when we hear the word slave today, we think of the kind of slavery that was in America 160 years ago. The kind of slavery in the Bible was indentured servitude. If you owed somebody money, you could put themselves, or you could put yourself in their service to pay off your debt. And there was a point where you were going to be let go. And many of them didn't want to get let go because they had a good arrangement with the person to whom they owed uh, money. So it's not the same kind of slavery. In fact, if we followed the biblical uh, commands on slavery, particularly kidnapping uh, 160 years ago, slave traders would have been punished by death, okay? The Old Testament punished slavery or slave traders, or I should say kidnappers by death. The kind of slavery we had 150, 160 years ago in America is not the kind of slavery the Bible's talking about. Secondly, hmm. when it comes to life, the Bible is quite clear that thou shall not murder is something we ought not do. And that applies to children unborn in the womb because they are human beings as well. In fact, if you look at Luke chapter one, 
when uh, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, she's pregnant with Jesus. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. It says right there in, in, in chapter one, verse 41 or so of, of the Gospel of Luke, it says that when, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt. The baby leapt in the womb. It didn't say the product of conception. It didn't say the choice. It didn't say the fetus. It said the baby leapt in the womb. The Bible is quite clear that what's in the womb is a baby. And of course, science is quite clear that what's what's in the womb is a baby as well. And thou shalt not murder applies to unborn children, just like it applies to born children. Right. The move to have um, the... Christianity sort of adopted into the democratic left, or even more broadly speaking, because it's not only an American phenomenon, this is going on all over the world, the, the move to sort of transform Christianity into some kind of a, a, a leftist religion, if you will, it, it is a different religion, uh, but still under the same nomenclature. So, uh, you know, Bill Clinton running around as a, as a Southern Baptist with the Bible under his arm and so on, all, but this has increased of late, um, and really the the I guess the effort to uh, make this new Christianity. I, I've seen it increase. Have you seen it increase? And why do you think that's so? Yes, I think it's it's so because they want to make sure that they get the Christian vote as much as they can. Because if they really revealed uh, the truth about what they believe uh, as they spoke and as they governed, uh, many Christians, of course, would not vote for them because they are pro-abortion, they're anti-family, they're uh, pro-borderless, uh, you know, no, no, no borders, open borders. Uh, these are things that are not Christian. They're not, they're not security conscious. Uh, the Bible talks about borders and borders are something that, that is certainly part of the biblical record. So we have, and by the way, everyone believes in borders, John Henry. I have a border right here on my house, right? You have a border on mm -hmm. your house. You don't just let anybody in. There's a border around the White House. Why? There's a fence around the White House. Why? Because it works. There's now a fence around the Capitol too. So these people who are saying they're for open borders, actually, if they were consistent, they wouldn't have a border around the White House. They wouldn't have a border around the, the Capitol. They wouldn't have a lock in their door. So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get people who are not really paying close attention to think, hey, these people are Christians too. I should just vote for them. When they're when they're not really voting for Christian right. policies at all. They're voting policies that are against Christianity and against the natural law. Exactly. And the difficulty is it sounds good. Um, if, if you're not thinking that carefully about it, a lot of it sounds good. Oh, we're helping the poor. Of course, we want our borders open for the poor because it's the poor that are coming over and they have to get into actual reality to see what's happening on the ground to be able to appreciate, no, we, we need borders for protection, but it's also not only protection for ourselves, it's protection for those families from whom some people are being taken away and all sorts of rather nasty things that perhaps we've protected people for too long uh, from, from hearing about because the sentiment of, oh, we just want to help the poor, we want to be open to the poor, that works in terms of a Christian understanding. Yeah, the problem is, is you have to look at the results. You see, the intention is good, but not every intention results in good results. Uh, this is an ends and means discussion. We all want to help the poor. The question is, what's the best way to help the poor? Now, generally, conservatives believe 
that if you help an economy, a rising tide lifts all boats and everybody, including the poor, will benefit. For example, in the last four years, the lowest unemployment rate for minorities was accomplished in the Trump administration because the economy was so good, it helped the lowest people in our economy in terms of their socioeconomic status. Now, liberals generally want to help the poor through government handouts. Conservatives think, hey, you know, that's just going to create dependency. And there's a good case it does. So both parties want to help the poor. The question is, what is the best way to help the poor? And for that, we have to have debate. But we shouldn't be saying, oh, if you don't like my policy, you're not for the poor. No, all of us are for the poor. The question is, what's the best way to do so? Yeah. Let's let's talk for a moment about just that. The uh, naming or call, <laughs> calling of names and using false terminology. I found it incredible, particularly over racism. Mm -hmm. This last little while since January 6th, even before that, but since January 6th, everybody's racist. We're racist. I, 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 I was amazed. We were called racist. And as a person who's at least somewhat colored uh, from a lot of people who were no color at all, but calling me racist, I, I, I thought was incredible. But nonetheless, this is the thing. Everyone's a racist now, as long as you disagree with uh, leftist ideology. And actually, you can get away with saying the most racist things if you agree with leftist ideology. What have you? Yeah, yeah. Now math is racist, John Henry, and that just doesn't add up. Okay. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on. You don't fight racism with more racism. And critical race theory says, just like Marxism does, that there's a, a, a list of oppressors and a list of oppressed people. And if you're an oppressor, like if you're white or if you're a Christian or if you're heterosexual or you're rich, you're an oppressed, you're automatically considered an oppressor of other groups like peoples of color, like the LGBTQ people, like uh, poor people, you're automatically considered an oppressor, which means if you say you're a white heterosexual Christian man, you're automatically a racist. You're automatically someone who just regardless of your behavior is going to be somebody that can't be trusted. And that's just racism itself, obviously. You're, you're, you're judging people without even looking at their behavior. You're judging them based on the color of their skin, which is exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. We're, there's only one race, the human race. It's exactly opposite what the preacher Martin Luther King said, that I, I'm a dream of a day. I have a dream that one day my children will be judged based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Yet critical race theory comes along and starts judging people based on the color of their skin. That's exactly the opposite of the way, uh, of the way it should be. That's just awesome. If, if you can tell me, Frank, what really does the left use in terms of terminology to get its will through? Well, let's, let me just give you a few examples. Freedom to choose. Who can be against freedom to choose, John Henry? Everyone's for freedom and freedom to choose, right? It sounds so good. The problem is if you ask them to complete the sentence, there's a problem. Freedom to choose what? The death of a baby? That's not right. That's not just. And um, you're going to say that a woman has the freedom to choose the death of her baby. Why doesn't she have the freedom to choose where that baby goes to school if she decides to let it live? You're not consistent on choice. Another phrase they use is inclusion, yeah. tolerance, and diversity. You know what that really means? If you don't agree with us, if you have a diverse view, you will be excluded in the name of inclusion, tolerance, and diversity. You see, 
Those words sound good, inclusion, tolerance, and diversity. The problem is, is they exclude anybody who disagrees with them. They cancel them. And of course, the big word today is equality. It doesn't mean equality of opportunity. The Bible would agree with that. Our founding documents would agree with that. What they mean now is equality of outcome. The, the, the word that's being thrown around now is equity. Well, newsflash, hmm. you will not have equity or equality of outcome even coming from the same household, much less people coming uh, from different households in the country. In fact, Thomas Sowell makes this point. He says, you know, if you look at the data, firstborn children tend to do better than children born later. In fact, he talks about the, uh, the Apollo program. He says, out of the 29 Apollo astronauts, 22 were, from, were either firstborn children or from only born children, you know, single, single uh, child households. And he said, look, if you're not going to get the same result, the same outcome from kids brought up in under the same roof with the same parents, how are you going to expect the same outcome from children brought up by different parents in different circumstances? You're never going to get equity of outcome in any society. It's never happened anywhere. And newsflash, it's not even going to happen in heaven. Jesus says when he talks about the parable of the talents, he actually takes the one talent from the guy who did nothing with it, and he gives it to the one with 10 who did something with his. Yeah. You see, that's not equity. That's called justice. The Bible is for justice, not equity. So no, there's no place in the history of the world that has ever had equity of outcome, and it won't even happen in heaven, yet the Democrat Party is trying to make it happen here. Yeah. What, one of the things you said that's, that's very, very powerful is about the, in, you know, the statement that the need for inclusion and, and so on, and yet you're excluded when you disagree. That I think people should be seeing in spades today. This kind of acceptance and inclusion and uh, uh, love one another, except when you disagree and then you're hated, you're call, you can be called all sorts of names. You can be canceled as everybody knows who watches our YouTube uh, channel uh -huh. or used to watch our YouTube channel, which is now gone. Um, it is an absolutely unbelievable thing, but it's being done in exactly backwards fashion because they, have, they use all this terminology and they do the exact opposite. Exactly. It's not inclusion, tolerance, and diversity at all. By the way, just take the word tolerance. What is the word tolerance supposed to mean? Putting up with ideas with which you disagree, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. tolerate things you agree with. You tolerate things you disagree with. And yet yeah. their new definition of tolerance is that you must celebrate what I believe and what I do. That's not tolerance. In order to tolerate something, you have to disagree with it but they've yeah. changed the language to make it sound good. Look, they don't necessarily tolerate our view that say uh, a child in the womb should be protected. They don't tolerate that at all. As you found out, they'll take down your YouTube channel over something like that, right? That's not tolerance. They are the people who claim to be fighting for tolerance while they're excluding anybody that doesn't agree with them. That's, yeah. that's not the right definition of tolerance, quite obviously. Exactly. Now, I actually have a problem with some tolerance. And I honestly, conservatives have been way over tolerant. Yes. Um, in every single sphere, conservatives tolerate the most intolerable things. And it's so bad that 
elected conservative officials will leave in office, in place, the, the former administrations, even though it's the opposite track, they're all their people, all their staffers. Liberals get in and they fire everyone. They bring in their own team. Conservatives think, no, no, we, you know, they're all good people, which they like they are, but they're totally opposed to what you're doing. But they don't, they have this great tolerance and yet the left has no tolerance whatsoever, but they talk about it all the time and conservatives live it. I, even, even two ways that I would disagree with. Well, let me mention one thing about that because I think the Christendom in general is confused by the word tolerance. Christians are not commanded to be tolerant. Christians mm -hmm. are commanded to be loving. You see, tolerance is too weak. Tolerance says, hold your nose and put up with them. But love says, reach out and help them. And if you truly want to love somebody, sometimes you can't tolerate what they're going to do. You see, love does not require tolerance or approval. Love requires that you stand for the truth. Paul says that love always protects, that love rejoices in the truth. And every parent knows this, John Henry. If you tolerate everything your kid wants to do, you're not loving. You're unloving. To be yeah. loving, you got to stand in the way of evil. You got to say, I don't care that you want to do this. I'm going to stand in your way because you're going to hurt yourself and others. It's wrong. And conservatives have to start saying that. No. In order for us to love you, even if you're going to hate me for it, I can't approve of something that's going to destroy you and others. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we can say that in, in loving ways. Fra Frank, do you yourself have children? Oh, yes. I have three sons and now a grandson. So ah, very good. I'm so old now. part of the part of the journey, if you will, of having adult children is, is a difficult one because they often mm -hmm. will do things that, you know, are wrong for them. And we nonetheless, as Christians, have to confront them when they're doing something uh, wrong. Yes, in, in a loving way, but sometimes we have to stand firm and disagree with them. And that might have consequences and and hard consequences for the family yes have you dealt with such things or, or have have you given counsel to parents oh sure yeah absolutely the way that you love people even your own children is to tell them the truth even if they don't like you for it and so mm -hmm. yes we've had to do that even recently because yeah. that's the way you love people you protect them by telling them the truth you rejoice in the truth you don't rejoice in falsehood you don't rejoice in error you actually have to tell them the truth. Now, how you tell them, yeah, that 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 can be problematic, but you still have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And what advice would you give to, uh, well, parents, but anyone in that situation where they have to confront um, with regard to knowing exactly what to do, how to do it? Because these situations are often very confusing. A lot of parents out there, they, they pull their hair out. They don't know what to do, what to say. Mm -hmm. um, where to go because they're dealing with often well lots of different things but you know they're dealing with the a daughter's decision to perhaps uh, abort her child god forbid mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. they're entering into homosexual relationships mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. they they have no problem with pornography or they're going into marijuana because it's now legal mm -hmm. where where yeah. do you get the inspiration on dealing with these well things? i think what you have to say to them is something my first pastor said to his kids and that is there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Mm. And so what you tell them up front, but you know that that also means for me to love you, that I have to tell you things that you might not like to hear because it's the truth. You know, if you're about to be hit by a bus, I'm going to yell at you to get out of the way because I love you. 
And so mm-hmm. there are going to be times when you're going to want to do something and it's wrong. It's wrong by the scriptures. It's wrong by natural law. And I have to tell you why it's wrong and that you ought not do it. So I'm going to tell you up front. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't say a word. In fact, I might even approve of it in order to keep peace. That's not loving. In fact, I think it was Thomas Sowell who put it this way. He said, if you tell people what they want to hear, you're helping yourself. If you tell people Mm -hmm. what they need to hear, you're helping them. Wow. Wow. In terms of what we can do in our culture today, because it is way, way off the the track, the, the road of Christ, how do we get back? Do we get back? How do we get back? And what are the best ways forward, in your opinion, uh, to restoring the culture for Christ? Well, we have to start in our own homes. You know, um, I, I'm reminded of the, uh, the parent who once said, you know, the big problem in our country today is we've gotten the Ten Commandments out of schools. And one of his kids said, the Ten Commandments, name them. And the father was speechless because he couldn't name them all. He doesn't even know them in his own home. Yet we're worried about the schools. I mean, we should be worried about the schools. Don't get me wrong. But you could could elect all the right people. And if you're still going to lose your kids to atheism or agnosticism, is that really worth it? Hmm. No. Hmm. We have, to, we have to bring up our kids to know the Lord and to know why Christianity is true, which is what we try and do. That's what we do at our ministry, crossexamine.org. We go to a lot of colleges, a lot of high schools, and we present the evidence that Christianity is true. Because, as you know, John Henry, they go off to college and they're going to run into big opposition and temptation. And unless they're really grounded in the truth, they're going to get picked off. In fact, 75% yeah. of kids leave the church after they leave the home. And the number one reason they do is intellectually, they don't know why Christianity is true. You know why? Because we haven't told them why it's true. We haven't given them any evidence. So we have to start at home. And if we bring up the home right, the rest of the culture eventually will follow. Now, in a parallel way, we also have to be involved politically, quite obviously. We do have to vote for the right people. Maybe, maybe we have to run ourselves and we have to hold these politicians to the truth of our constitution, which is one of the greatest documents ever written when it comes to uh, governance. We have to hold them to natural law. That's what our government was founded on. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice he puts life first, why? Because life is the right to all other rights. If you don't have life, you don't have anything. So we have to really stand strong for the truth, not only in the home, but in the public square. Tell us where folks can get in touch with you, with your uh, materials, because I know you've got a lot of great material, especially to form young people. And what I mean by young people is, is sort of the high school age and, and early college age and so on, because those are crucial ages where they start to question a lot of things. They're, yes. they're bombarded with things. Where can they get resources to if, really fight the culture that way? If they go to crossexamined.org, that's crossexamined with a D on the end of it, .org, Uh, it'll be the gateway to everything we do. We have a podcast called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist every week. We have a TV show. Uh, We have about 900 Q&A videos on our YouTube channel, Cross-Examine. Most of them are Q&A videos from the college campus. 
many of them are very short, you know, two or three minutes that go into all these different issues that kids are asking on a college campus. So those are some resources they can avail themselves of. We have a app too, cross-examined app, two words in the app store. It has a quick answer section on it. It also airs our TV show, our podcast. It's all right there. So those resources are available. They're all free. Awesome. Awesome. And I want to encourage people, uh, Frank is a great speaker and really awesome with answers. All those hard questions that you can't answer for your teens and your early 20s, um, he's got them. So please do check it out. Frank, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. John Henry, my pleasure. God bless you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.